And a very good morning to you here on Spreaker.com. I'm Alexander Garrett, and I hope you're having a great morning so far. Uh, I don't really know what the police were referring to in that song, but guess what? This today is about social distancing, about not standing close to each other. And uh, Matt Sambolin picked that song out for his Spotify Corona mix, and I thought, what a great song to start today with. Because, because, here, my friends, is the most incredible paragraph I have read in this whole disaster. How the idea of social distancing, born out of a request by George W. Bush, then President George W. Bush, became the heart of the National Playbook for responding to a pandemic, is one of the untold stories of the coronavirus. A high school project by George W. Bush helped make this, what we're doing today, an official policy in February of 2007. With the help of doctors Mecker and Hatchett, Richard Hatchett and Carter Mecker, or Metcher. And just when I read that line, I was like, this is intriguing. The Bush administration actually encouraged keeping these doctors, encouraging others in the industry to do this approach. And then in 2007, the CDC made the approach official U.S. policy. Why this happened? Well, President Bush started reading a book by John M. Barry called The Great Influenza about the flu outbreak of 1918. Mr. President Bush's concern was elevated by a string of new outbreaks at the time, SARS and aviation flu, which happened in Vietnam. There was no vaccine for these threats, so he worried it would spread rapidly. He actually made a speech at the Institution of Health, saying a pandemic is a lot like a forest fire. If caught early, it might be extinguished limited damage. If allowed to smolder, undetected, it can grow to an inferno that can spread quickly beyond our ability to control it. So they bring on Hatchet and Mecker, doctors Hatchet and Meckers, to do all of the planning of this. And so, today, and so, here's where the story continues. This doctor from New Mexico, Dr. Robert Glass, had a 14-year-old daughter's high school project of social networks in uh, her Albuquerque high school. Using his daughter's work, Dr. Glass started looking at how he can break up the social networks. And he said by closing the schools, 
In a hypothetical town of 10,000 people, only 500 got sick. So, it's a high school project. And then President Bush's reading on it that kind of led us to do what we are now calling social distancing. I'm going to post this article up on the podcast page right now so you guys can take a look at this. This is um this was one of the most stunning things. How President Bush helped make this policy by reading a book during his terms, by seeing that there were pandemic possibilities. And so, one of the most hated presidents, up until President Trump, actually created this policy and came up with the idea of it. And here we are, in quarantine, stopping the spread. That story should travel as quickly as this horrible virus has. To give President George W. Bush credit for helping instill this policy at the CDC with the help of Drs. Metcher and Hatchet. Pretty incredible. By the way, I recommend you watch Cassandra's Crossing in 1776. It's almost like a real-life interpretation of what's happening right this very moment. Because what's happening in this very moment is this transmissibility is still very real. Death tolls are still very real. Hospitalizations, thank God, have gone down, but they still are in many. And so, I truly believe if you can, you have to social distance. And I'm just so intrigued that President George W. Bush, George W. Bush, had said this policy in place. If that's not wild and crazy and out of the box, that he would come up with it, that he would actually talk about this during the Iraq war, trying to keep on top of everything, then I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what other more interesting news I could find of this virus, politically anyway, than our own 43rd president, George W. Bush. I know his dad would be proud of him at this point, looking down at us and seeing us all inside. I mean, that was President Bush's policy. Who'd have thought, right? Who'd have thought? I'm going to call it Mr. Mike Myers in just a bit. But until then. I, um. I'm going to take a quick music break here.
shaking cold These hands are meant to hold Thank you, Sometimes, you know, space, YouTube takes down my videos because of these un, uh, these copyrighted music. Thank God Spreaker doesn't do that. But, um, I do they they have a royalty library, a royalty-free library as well. So if you feel like you're not sure, just go there, I guess. So anyway, hoping Mr. Myers calls us up very soon. But... Oh, and there he is. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Mr. Mike Myers himself. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, but I was on a phone call with uh, somebody who uh, doesn't have COVID. He hasn't been to work for five weeks, and he used to be a... Uh, 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 we're going to talk about addiction this morning. I had somebody else cancel. So here's the deal, Alex. I love you, man, but it's not seven. You're messing with me, dude. I know. It's two minutes to seven. Well, you see. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Anyway. I'm kind, of ja- I'm kind of jacking you around a little bit. I know you are. It, does, it, it, it happens I often. Just, I, I got to just get this in. Oh, my gosh. Now my phone's talking to me. Um, I had a gal that I was going to have on this morning who canceled, and I wanted to start, I wanted to interview somebody about addictions, and it turns out this guy that I just talked to, because I'm trying to give away the the 2020 Trump bucks, um, used to be in the, uh, our, uh, we had a homeless shelter here mm. back in 2000, wow, I don't remember how long ago. He used to live there, and boy, does he have a story to tell about the shelter. So this is just bizarre. Wow. Well, I think there's something there where, you know, you you weren't meant to interview the other lady, and now you got a strong, I wouldn't say stronger story, but a different, it sounds pretty strong, though. So it's not like you're losing out, you know? You've got a better, a bigger story, it sounds like. And and actually, what's really fascinating is, I think it is, him being a, a homeless gentleman at one time, he gave me a, a, a jacket that says Midwest Surgery or something. And so I have this joke. I walk around. I have this jacket that looks like it's from some surgeon dude. And I said, yeah, a homeless guy gave it to me. And that's where I got it. And this is the guy. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Could you have mentioned that story a while ago, if I'm not mistaken, on this I, show? I, so. 
Wow. So now the interview is going live at nine at nine Eastern. Is that what's happening? Absolutely. Okay. I got his number. We just chatted for a bit, and uh, he has some uh, a story about what it was like at the shelter. And I don't know if it's a story that I uh, am going to go public with at this point because it's not it's not the best. Let's just leave it like that. Oh, I I'm sorry, but I'm glad you overcame whatever you had to. So. So that's good, but he's gonna maybe maybe it's cathartic for you to talk to him about it then. Well, I, cathartic for him because I was actually a deacon at that church at the time that was running the homeless shelter, and I was unaware of what was going on at hmm. the uh, All for Jesus building. So this is really wow. I mean, we got Sons of Silence motorcycle gang crap going on in this. It's just bizarre. This is Alex. Wow, this could be a chapter in my book. Well, talk to us about that because, you know, we haven't um, really covered the demographics of Iowa yet. I'm in New York. You're in Iowa, very different states. So what is that um, homeless population ratio down there? As you know, New York has a lot, uh, so many. But how many would you say on average in Iowa? Iowa is is a whole – I really don't know. I just know that this – this gal that I have been um, gotten the privilege to work with, her name's Annie Wallert Cook, uh, has helped about 25 people now get off the streets and into uh, not just temporary housing, but permanent housing, you know, like an apartment. Yeah. Wow. Uh, maybe their own home. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. So you don't know how many there are. You don't know how many are living out of their vehicles. Well, um, the reason I ask about that is because I feel like there's a mystique with Iowa, whether it be the 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 primaries in February or January when you see everybody on the ground there or, you know, Field of Dreams and that whole cornfield. But there is a stark reality that I guess no one sees that you're bringing to the forefront here about Iowa's struggles. Like, no one really sees Iowa and says, wow, this must be rampant with, you know, struggling people because you guys all seem like you got it together compared to New York, to be honest with you. Oh, oh, let me tell you, this uh, Iowa, you talk about a, a messed up, you know, Boone, unfortunately, has a bit of a drug history and a, uh, a motorcycle gang history, a couple of deaths here and there, and we have a young man that's been missing from us four years now. They still don't know what happened to him. They figure that's drug-related. A couple of murders tied in with that. So it's pretty, uh, it's not, it's not uh, it, 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 I love Boone. I love living in Iowa. I moved from out east um, to Boone, and that was, what, 14 miles to the east is Ames, Iowa, so I didn't get far from home. <laughs> All right, you were born in Ames. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's wild. Well, so, okay, now that I got you on, on the topic of Iowa, I'm very intrigued to find out more about what we don't see every January on the screens. You'd think the state fair, you think all that was enough, but obviously there's so much more to Iowa that um, we don't even see on camera. So any other insights you'd like to give us on a state that is pretty much held in high esteem when it comes to primary season? Yeah, and I know there's people that are trying to get that trying to get that changed. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of tough. You know, the whole electoral college thing I find fascinating, and I didn't really understand it until I realized that, you know, everybody needs a fair representation. And if you have 
you know, uh, a highly concentrated bunch of people in one state, and the rest of us don't get some kind of a, a say in things, wow. So you just have the highly concentrated, you know, greatest number of uh, votes that control what's going on, and that's just not real fair. So you would be okay with abolishing the Electoral College? No, 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 you definitely, speaking of that, I'm having a guy on tomorrow, um, that we're going to be talking about this, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Michael Perutka? Not sure of him, but tell us more. Uh, he, well, he's, uh, there's a, a young man that, uh, works at that institution, it's called, uh, oh, let's see, he just responded with an email, uh, American View, um, Hmm. Anyway, he's going to be on tomorrow, and that's one of the things I'm glad you we talked about this because I want to talk more about the electoral college and why it is a very important. Well, because if they if we don't have it, thing. you would say if we don't have it. It's anarchy if we don't have some sort of concentrated way the votes get counted, right? Um, concentrated way the votes get counted, like through the electoral college. I feel like that's the way it buffers between. Yeah. Uh, everybody yeah. speaking out, and that. That could be viewed as anarchy, although everybody would say the opposite. But I say, I kind of like that there's a, a select few that um, that count the votes for us. I don't know. It's all the college process. I'm definitely listening because that whole process is so crazy to understand. But I just feel like getting rid of it's not the answer either. Uh, well, <clears throat> the majority uh, isn't. This is where it gets weird. The majority isn't necessarily, you know, the popular vote um, isn't necessarily the best vote. Boy, does that sound weird. Mm, exactly. That's why we need huh. some some kind of thing. I mean, look, if we're going to get rid of that, then why did the, forefa- the forefathers, why did the founding fathers start the whole Senate and representative and only two people? That's almost like saying, well, if you want everybody, then we can have 20,000 people on these seats from a state. Instead, they concentrated that as well. Yeah, it's there's 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 a reason behind it, and I do hope I it's not it would not be a good thing to not have the electoral college. And when I first heard about it, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why doesn't you know the person with the most votes win? It doesn't make sense because I mean, you know, Clinton had more votes than Trump did. Yeah, that is true. She had the quote unquote popular vote. Uh, yeah, millions upon millions. Yeah. but um. That's kind of why they keep the college, because you don't want, I don't know how to say it, but it's just like, if you, I don't know, you don't want anarchy, and I think that's why the electoral college is important, because if you have that, you'll have too many people telling you how you should vote, and I don't know, that's kind of how I see the electoral college. It's a way to keep us kind of balanced here. And if you, you, you know how much I need to be balanced that I'm not really very balanced. <laughs> well, you uh, you always do a good job keeping at it anyway, so at trying anyway. I got it. It's for my wife's sake. How is she doing? How are you guys doing with all this? I know that we had some news come down and you were podcasting about it in the middle of the day yesterday, and I don't know if you want to share that here as well, but we talked about your mom and there were updates, and if you feel comfortable sharing it, go ahead. Well, yeah. I kind of freaked out because I had her on the phone and during the show, and she had mentioned hospice, and I just, I mean, wow, well, 
Um, she, as of yesterday when I talked to her, she's had four units of blood, which I guess a unit is about a pint. So she's got, it's leaking somewhere, but where for sure, they don't know because she's a little too frail to be, she has an aortic aneurysm, and she's too frail to be going through endoscopy and a colonoscopy and anything very um, uh, aggressive. So that's why the hospice thing came up, and that, I mean, a hospice doesn't mean you're got to die. I think it means it's it's the best it's the best route to take right now to just kind of let things chill out. And now her uh, hemoglobin levels are, at, I think she's, the gals yesterday said 10, and uh, it was as low as 6, so she's mm. stable. That's a good way to put it. That is a beautiful thing, and I know that yeah. for you talking about it was very um, was very meaningful and soothing, and so this is why more people need to pick up a podcast, Mike, and, and just talk, because instead of Penting it all in, you can actually have an outlet, right? Where you can put it all out there. Yeah, although yeah, and not everybody's gonna, you know. I don't know. The, you know, overall the the listener response has been extremely good, but I've had a few that have gotten a little upset because of my Muslim friend over in the UK, and that was probably the biggest one. Um, this you mean you can't have an interfaith friendship? Talking. That's kind of messed up. Uh, I think it really just shows how shallow people can be. You know, like she said, like Sonia said, she's not a, she's not a, 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 a suicide bomber. I mean, if she were, she's failed at it miserably because she's still alive. She has six kids. She, she helps feed the homeless. <laughs> real threat, you know, a real, real threat. A real, a real threat. <laughs> That's funny. Better write that down too. You give me all these good ideas for well, the real threat. The real threat. Uh, by the way, I got to tell you, so I was part of this event called the National Publicity Summit in New York. And there was a Muslim yeah. man who came up to me pitching his story. He had the same man, a name as one of the people who was a terrorist in 9-11. And because of his name alone, he got blacklisted and he got he couldn't get any jobs. And I just felt so bad hearing about that. It's like, are you kidding me? That's how severe... It gets. I don't think they should be blacklisted if they have the same name. That's horrible. Well, you know, <clears throat> this is really weird because in 97, I went through some nasty medical things. And um, one of the doctors was uh, an Indian doctor. And um, he had given me twice the dose of a very high-octane uh, antibiotic. And it could have caused blindness or deafness or both and he came he came into the room and he was so apologetic and I held his hand and it, it, I wouldn't let him go because I was just thanking God that he was there to help and you know hey people make mistakes we're human for crying out loud flying into a building on purpose eh, maybe not a mistake but, uh, oh not at all well so this <laughs> not at all so this doc that's interesting so what did he do he prescribed a medicine that was in a, that hurt you more than helped you? Well, fortunately, but it. I was in an ICU for uh, wow, seventeen days uh, when I had this. Some surgery went bad, and uh, that's why I, they drained off five liters of bile off my abdomen. So I was pretty well, you know, 
I told my wife that, that my wife at that time she might want to consider making funeral arrangements. So you know, Alex, I'm really glad to get to still be here. That is um, that's a new perspective to you. You've gotten you're an overcomer, and you don't talk about that kind of side much, but Sorry. I think that's important to talk about. I you have a story that nobody knows, that very few people know about. And I know, I don't think you're the kind of guy that's going to play off of that, but I don't think you would play off of it. I think you're just a grateful, thankful human being that's uh, glad to be alive. I've I never wanted, I mean, the only, I've never wanted to, um, I don't know how to say it, but I never wanted to make that the focus of what my thing was, because I think that at the end of the day, for me anyway, I feel like, People admire when I post all these pictures of whatever, but then the minute I open my mouth and say something possibly useful, they yell at me, so I don't know what the balance. <laughs> You're inspirational, but you like Trump, so we hate you now, you know? It's just... Yeah. Hey, and by the way, I did give away 10 uh, Trump 2020 bills last night, and it started on a post where people were making fun of this great big mural we have here in town and a wall that was built in front of it. So I just decided I'm just going to love folks. I mean, you can hate me. You can dislike me. You can do whatever. But if I allow bitterness in me, I'm going to, I'm just going to get to where you're at and I can't live life that way. I can't do it. I just can't. I won't do it. That's a better way to put it. You know, they all say we're the intolerant people for being commonsensical and liking Trump's policies and all this. And yet, they're the yeah. ones that act the most intolerant when they're up against the ropes. It's really, it's really sickening sometimes to see how that happens. Well, and I had mentioned that I was going to give away these 2020 Trump bills, and this guy said, uh, he said something about, yeah, that would make um, about out of toilet paper uh, on a scale of one to ten. What would those be? And I said, well, actually, they're they're huge. Mm. And uh, then I said something like, uh, "And if you don't have any toilet paper, you could use your your middle finger." And then I deleted it. I mean, I was falling into the nasty, and I don't want to do that. I, I, it's just see that's Alex. That's what I want to guard myself from. I want to guard my heart. I don't want to get all angry and bitter. And, well, as you said, response responding to hate pep, pep, perpetuates the hate yeah. anyway. So it's just better to stay away from that. Carefully, and if you can sit down and have a, a real face to face, heart to heart talk without the name calling, I mean, that's one of the things that Ed taught me. The minute people start calling you names, conversation's over. Drop them. You're not going to have a dialogue. Even on the air, you got to just drop them, you know? Well, I fortunately don't have that many controversial folks on. I haven't had anybody in a long time uh, challenge me. And, would, and it's good to be challenged. That's not a bad thing. No, not at all. Just don't. Just don't call me a long-haired, Bible-thumping Jesus freak, because I might say, well, that's the nicest thing anybody said to me in a long time. <laughs> ah, that's good. Hey, Mike, I've got a question. Have you ever heard of a guy named Dion Cini by chance? No. He's very pro-Trump. He does these flag drops at different stadiums and different places. And I didn't know if you got your 2020 flag from him, but he's kind of been using, you know, selling those, and I didn't know if you were connected with him for that, because that's, like, kind of the same flag he has. How do you, how do you uh, spell that name? Do you mind me asking? Sure, Dion, D-I-O-N, and then Cini is C-I-N-I. C-I-N-I. Well, thank you again. 
this marriage. Alex, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too, brother. You okay. can cry on my shoulder anytime you need, okay? I have to go now. You gotta go? No, not really. Okay. Well, I know you got an interview in a bit, so I'll let you get prepped for that. Are you all ready for it? It sounds like you're pumped up for it, so... Well, here's the... the like I said, the interesting thing is I had this gal all set up to do a, an interview, um, and she just sent me a message this morning and said, Oh, wow, I'm back to work. And I'm like, awesome, you're back to work. Well, she has a seasonal job. She's a truck driver. Oh, that's funny because I, I just had a trucker on yesterday, uh, a truck driving representative yesterday. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and, well, and she's uh, she did studies in uh, some kind of material. I don't know what she is. But anyway, she uh, uh, is somebody who I could have talked a little bit about the whole addiction thing because that seems to be a, a reoccurring thing. Uh, uh, item here. I don't know what it is. It is in. I know a lot of people that are having struggles with with uh, addiction. Whatever you know, fill in the blank. Pornography, mm. alcohol, meth. Um, uh, I don't know what else you're workaholic. I'm ready for those studies too. By the way, to see them rise during quarantine, because those are all factors that are just going to keep going up during the quarantine phase we're in. it very hard to believe at first of the reason why they're not shutting down the liquor stores. Mm. And it said this, Ed Delgado would be caramel conservative because of the people that would end up going through withdrawal. That's kind of sad. It's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, it's horrible actually. But what would be so bad about spending withdrawal with your family and getting through it with them instead of just pouring more into, into you? You know, it just... I feel like well, it's like letting the baby cry. You just got to let him cry it out. Let him withdraw and figure it out after that. Well, and if you have never gone through, I mean, I've seen, uh, I saw my eldest son go through that, mm. and it was horrible. It was, it was horrible. I mean, you hear things, you see things. He was rising up from his hospital bed, and his hands were shaking like crazy and looking at him like this. So, you know, somebody just scared out of their mind. And, and I'm just so glad that it's been, wow, five years now, if not longer, that he is not. He cannot drink, period. There's there's no just a little sip. He cannot. He knows he cannot drink, period. And I'm sure you remind him of that almost every day because you're such a good father to them. So I'm sure you remind it to him. Um, well, I, we don't we don't talk a whole lot. I, I tend to have a little bit of a, uh, a Christian worldview and uh, him not so much, which is okay. I mean, I was a very legalistic dad. I was a jerk, Alex. Bottom line, I was just a jerk. Mm. Just a jerk. Uh, oh. How so? That's why. Well, when when you when you become a follower of Jesus, and you start getting so full of your own self, your own self righteousness, and you're doing it right, and everybody else is doing it wrong, and you don't think that you sin anymore, you're full of poo poo. And did you did you try and instill the values in them at a very young age? Right. I mean, like every household should do. 
yeah, there was one time I got them all, got the boys in the in the van and uh, hit the the lock button, and I said we're going to a, a men's get together. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the big M. We'll just leave it at that. And it was like, <laughs> what a silence. <laughs> the big M. Like, uh oh, the big M. Yeah. Mm. Let me ask you: Do you uh, you didn't end up homeschooling? You, your kids went to public school, right? Well, it's interesting you brought that up. We tried homeschooling many, many years ago, uh, and it was very. No, wait a minute. No, that's when we were sending them. Very expensive. Couldn't afford it. Homeschooling. My my wife Laura did homeschool Josie for a short time, and that was didn't go over well. Mm. So she actually bloomed when she got into the public schools. Was there is there just a fear among you know faithful people Christians that the public school is just going to deter every type of learning that they've done for their kid up until that point? I feel like that's what the fear is, right? That they're going to the public school will take over their minds and all that stuff. Well, I don't think the public school is a place where you ought to be. Uh, I, I thought it was about you know reading, writing, and arithmetic. And when it comes down to um, gender uh, preferences, and you know, are you a supporter of the LGBTQ? Uh, if you are, we're going to give you this little sticker that has a rainbow on it. If you're not. Uh, what are you, a hater? I mean, it's really messed up. It, that, that's the part of it I don't care for. Well, just, teach my, just teach my child the, the, the things that you need to be teaching them. History and... Well, one thing I'm worried about is, speaking of history, Mike, is that they're going to just have revisionist history in all these other textbooks moving forward. Because now they've been able to. They've had an outlet that they can just say, well, this didn't happen, this didn't actually happen. And it's like... Revisionist history is not going to help us move forward. You have to acknowledge the history we've had here in this country. Well, absolutely. You know, I still am I'm just amazed that you are as young as you are and you have as much of a grip on what's going on in this country that you do. I, I find it I, it's amazing to me. I, I, I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I just... Wow. Well, let's put it this way. I used to be a sports nut. That was my big thing. I love, and I still love sports. I spent like fifty bucks this quarantine on shirts because I'm bored and I wanted new sports <laughs> shirts. But, uh, but, but in reality, like I've been able to through my radio station I work at, I've been able to expand my horizons and see what's going on outside the sports world. And of course, I always was wary of that because I still believe you can't mix politics and sports. But now, literally, everything is going hand in hand today in this world. And that reminds me of something. I need to contact the SRN people and see what it would, what it would take to have them as a news source for my stream. I don't know how they would do that. Cause you know, we, I know you have the stream. I don't know how they would do top of our news for a stream, but it's always worth asking, you know? Well, and if it's top of the hour and it's available, I mean, I have a setup where it, uh, a, a deal that automatically would open up live whenever, you know, an extra uh, computers to feed it. I tried doing that. I did that before for a live show, and it went pretty well. It's a little technical, but uh, it was fun. It's just nice to have uh, – SRN was an incredible 
addition to KSGQ AM and FM. It was it was great. Well, I don't know if you know the name Greg Cluxton, but we have him on often. Yes. So we I talk with him yes. sometimes, and he's such a good man. What a man yeah, that guy is. So he's he's he, great. He has been there. He has been there since dirt. And John Scott also does some SRN updates for us now. So it's kind of interesting watching him on TV over the weekend and then seeing hearing him do the top of hour news for Salem. That is so... Yeah, I remember that name extremely well. Extremely well. And, like, the funny thing is I'm so good with voices. I just have to ask my colleague, isn't that John... Like, I don't even know that... I don't even look at it. I just recognize voices because that's, I guess, the audio brain in me. The audio side is like, oh, I know that voice. I know that voice. And um, yeah. it took me a minute to figure it out that it was John, but I was like, oh, that's John Scott. He used to be on Fox all the time. So John Scott. Now, that is a name that if I saw the face um, or, or and or the voice, it's just weird that you and I have connected and SRN News and my gig is, uh, you know, five years with a terrestrial station. I just loved it. I, I probably loved it too much that I, I put my family on the back burner, which was not good. Well, I would uh, put, I would felt like I was married to radio for a while. Then I finally got a, a better schedule and now I can balance it all out. But I really definitely felt like long hours, long nights. And I, it's called cutting your teeth as far as I'm concerned, because I was 21 when I first started. So I didn't. I always took everything I could get because I knew that was the way to get myself in the door even further. Well, it became uh, my mistress. Mm. Ministry became my mistress. That's got to be a new... T there, there's my Meyerism for the day. That is fantastic. <laughs> Meet my mistress. My ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I got while we're on news sources because I've I've never figured I've I've never asked you this yet but do you watch Fox do you watch CNN do you try and get a both or what do you watch for news and how do you get your updates? Well, it's interesting that you say that because I used to uh, watch Fox all the time. That's all I did, and I didn't realize how I was being, and I will say it, indoctrinated. Um, I've never, I, CNN, when it first came out many years ago, I think I had a little TV repair shop at that time, and we got cable into the store for, for checking TV sets out and what have you. And I was hooked on CNN for quite a while, because I think it was the first one, right? Yeah, that came first. Well, I think that came first, because they started to kind of, well, actually, before SN before nine eleven, they had it, but then it became like a twenty four seven outlet. But they had it because Larry King was on there for years. Long before I'm talking eighties. Yeah, I guess Ted Turner started that in the eighties. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and so that was something I had on you know all the time when I had my little repair shop. Um, but now, um, it's kind of tricky to find uh, i was looking into epic news epic times epoch yeah i love epic, the epoch times epoch. And, and maybe i did a no-no by looking at their reviews i mean who's going to give them a fair review is it going to be a fair, will it be a fair review i don't know well they are great and you know why because they're on our side when it comes to fighting china they are very anti-communist china and 
I'm just glad that resource is still around because, as you know, China's been kicking out journalists left and right, so it's been pretty bad over there. And actually, see, I don't know that. Has that been as of late? That's been as of late. They kicked out a Washington Post, I think at times, a few other American reporters who were trying to dig in, you know how we do, and, and they didn't want that, so they kicked them out. And, and, and so this is where I asked the media, well, how do you think, how do you say this is an authoritarian, authoritarian president when you can get in the front row at the press briefing and talk to him? Meanwhile, China's kicking people out. All these other countries are kicking people out, and yet we're the, we're the authoritarian because he questions everybody. Well, at least you're getting asked the question, right? That's that's what I tell. Yeah, it's it. It really comes down to folks. Uh, you know, make sure you vote. Don't get any heavy duty. You know, fisticuffs. I'm a little concerned about. Well, with this, I'm on a main drag. One of the two main drags here in Boone, with a population of what sixteen thousand five hundred, and I got this big Trump flag out in my front yard. Mm. And they're, they're, this town is not real Trump-friendly, and yet more and more people are coming out of the closet and wearing their hats, and and they're not, you know, it's like, hey, you don't like them, that's okay. And and that's where I'm at. It's just like, I'm done being a closet supporter. Right. Well, and that's what affects the poll numbers, because there are so many that don't want to say it, so it looks like Biden's leading, and I think we all know that's almost impossible to believe. I got a cool story. I was rollerblading through Manhattan, as I normally do, weeks ago. And this, this African-American was wearing a Make It Great Again hat. And he's like, oh, I love your rollerblading. I said, I love that you're wearing the hat, man. Keep it going. This was in New York City. <laughs> yeah. And, that's, and those are the times where I just, you know, it's like, glimmer of hope. Here's some hope. And there's, there's oh, I tell you, it's just. You, you'll either, what's that saying? You'll either, what is it, fall for, believe in something or fall for anything. Something like that. It's one of my mommy's favorite mm. things. And by the way, one of the untold stories of this whole thing um, is that, you know, minority, so to speak, Hispanics, African Americans, they all want, a lot of them do want Trump. I mean, caramel conservative, Trump lit his fire to become conservative. It's very interesting to see. Hear his story at oh. Delgado. Huh. I did not. I guess I was not aware of that. Well, I think it helped. I think it inspired a lot of people to know what was going on with the Democratic Party. It's not the party of, you know, the, uh, who was it? The Johnson LBJ days and the whole New Deal days. It's very different than what we have had in the past. Well, I'm just telling you again, it, it, your young age, you were very up on a lot of stuff. Is that because of your job, do you think? That's well, I've always loved history. I've always thought I wanted to... I always regretted trying to minor in accounting because I sucked at it. But history, I could have easily gotten a minor in. But I don't know what I would have done with it. That's why I kind of didn't pursue it. But I love history. I love... I had I had worn a Mount Rushmore shirt yesterday because de Blasio announced the fireworks were going on, and I'm like, I have the shirt that my stepdad got me. I'm going to wear it because, oh, man, 4th of July it makes me feel of the Founding Fathers, like their spirit is still here with us. That's cool. So, you know I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm very, I'm very, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, because I'm, I'm, I'm done with what I was saying. What were you going to say? Well, I'm just, I'm very, very, uh, 
proud to be an American. I think we have an incredible country. I think if, without our Constitution, we would be a mess. This whole move forward, whatever bill that they're trying to pass in Congress. You know, they keep passing all that? these stimulus bills. It's like a now phase four that they're trying to do. But I don't know the bill that you're talking about. It, someone sent me, in fact, I used it on yesterday's show. And the gal that sent it to me, I was like, really? You know, that's amazing that you would have sent that. I can't find it right now, but it's about uh, this bill they're trying to pass in Congress. And it pretty much wipes out our um, current our laws on immigration. And the New uh, Way Forward Act, is that what you're talking about? Yes, they, thank you very much. Yes, it is. Thanks. Well, so who made this? Because this does not sound like a, li- a liberal... Uh... Wait, hold on. Um, Wait a minute, I'm looking. I thought this was something about enforcing immigration, but maybe not. Let's see. Oh, I see. So they want to do rid of mandatory detention. <laughs> they do not want the DHS talking to people. Uh interesting about it, uh, Tucker Carlson is the one that did a nine-minute spiel on it, and I ended up pulling it up on Snopes, and which is probably not the best place, but they said mostly true, and I'm like, wow, you know, if half of this is true, this is a, this is a biggie, folks. So mostly true from Snopes, to me, is a thumbs up. The bill <laughs> also removes certain crime-related grounds of inadmissibility and deportability. So anyway, so in other, in other words, Maybe they're going to lift crimes for immer- what is going on? Yeah, you listen to that, and it'll, it'll, it'll do it. It's a wow. And I'm not. I'm. I really don't want to get into the political realm, but like you said earlier, you know, politics and and uh, and faith stuff. There's just there there there's a to me it's like there's a coming together of truth. And when I think truth, I think of the cross and a capital T. Mm. But there's a, there's a coming. There's something happening in this country, and you're either for it or you're against it. Well, yes, and I think the second wave of Trump 2020, this second term, if he gets it, should he get it, he probably will, will actually change us even more, possibly for the better, actually. Oh, I I believe so, but there's still those folks that are, you know, never Trumper. He's not my president. Well, then like the neighbor guy or the yard guy that was out here the other day in the alley said, if I were president, I'd say, you don't like it here, then leave. Move. They're they're not, it's not, they're not, he's not their president until he gives them the $1,200 check. Then he's their president because he'll gladly take that, you know? So, without making this too much longer here, because we've been on for quite a while, and I see you're live. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, I just come on at 8 a.m. You're always live. I know you're always live, but I pulled it up here in the, yeah, right there. Uh, George W. Bush created social distancing. Oh, yeah. So here's an t- article from the Times. If you post the, click on the link I posted in the chat room. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. The untold story of the birth of social distancing. It took a high school science fair, George W. Bush, history lessons, and some determined researchers to make it federal policy. So, here was my thought on this. Isn't this incredible? The line that I loved so much, how that I, how the idea of social distancing 
born out of a, a request by George W. Bush, was better prepared for the next, so we could be better prepared for the next contagious outbreak. Became the heart of the national playbook for responding to a pandemic. For a guy that was hated on and like, you know, all the stuff with the war and everything, he had some interesting ideas. And the fact that this one happened during all of that is kind of mind-blowing to me. And it's kind of like, wow, this is uh, this is amazing. Because, you know, people are giving Obama credit for seeing how the pandemic was going to be coming. But Bush actually mentioned it in an NIH speech in, I think, 04 or 05. So he even had a inkling of this way back when. So... And this thing became law in 2000, became a policy in 2007 and became law in 2020. Who'd have thought, right? But, uh, but seriously, it's like the fact that there were two administrations before Trump that could have dealt with this and could have had everything prepared is a little, is not being, it's talked about or it's being poo-pooed as you'd like to say. Uh, so I just thought bringing that story to people's attention is important today. Interesting. Yeah, I've got that pulled up here. I like the way you put that. That. Well, oh that, my goodness. If anybody happened to look in the chat box and they'd see it, they or on my page and they'd see it, maybe they're going to click it. So that's why I put it up there. Anyway, well, it's up on my page now. It's up on my one of my one, two, three, four, five monitors. Jesus, crazy. <laughs> Well, let's get back to prepping for the show, and we will do this again tomorrow, Mike, and I promise I'll call you right at 8 so I don't catch you on the can or wherever you might be before 7 o'clock Iowa time. Yeah, and I just got an email from this uh, this uh, gentleman, Jake McCauley, who uh, will be my guest tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Constitution and history and why it's important to know the Constitution and uh, not my typical Radio Hope show, but you know what? very important radio hope 9 a.m eastern just a few minutes away michael jump on there he's pretty prompt i mean he gets on right at 9 a.m there's no messing around with this guy so i love it it's me mike i will just... talk to you soon feel better prayers for mom and prayers for the family and we will do this all again tomorrow fantastic all right seven yeah let's do seven at iowa time eight my time seven yes That's <laughs> Seven. Love you, sir. Love Good you. Day. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye, bud. I'm Alex Garrett, and that has been another edition of the Keep It Real podcast. Alex.garrett21 at yahoo.com. Alex.garrett21 at yahoo.com. And we will talk to you again. Uh, tomorrow morning, we'll see what's on the docket. Have a great rest of your day.